0: Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk.
1: Who cares for the family carers of Ireland? It's a question that we've been asking here on Lunchtime Live over the last week since Gail sent me an email.
0: I had said that she, my mum is dying and I'm concerned that I need to spend some time with her each week. Um, you know, no, nothing was made. And then when she passed, I immediately reached out because Luca was with the service provider, um, a long-standing service provider funded by the HSC, and the response was um, negative, no. They said that the staff couldn't stay on for the extra day and that they themselves weren't available.
1: Gail, I can't even begin to imagine what you must have been I'm going still,
0: through. I'm very numb, um, I've become numb over the last year because of the unfair treatment of my son and just the pure inhumane treatment. I am numb. I think I'm in shock. I think I'm still I'm grieving my mum and it's are, different yeah. days and different hours of the day. I feel different. So I'm I think I'm trying to process everything but it's really made me feel that like there's very few good people left in the world because I think that's quite inhumane.
1: And Gail really shone a light On the whole situation around family carers when she got in touch with us here last week because the idea that somebody in 2023 would miss their own mother's funeral because they couldn't get somebody to come in to help or give them some kind of emergency respite care to allow them a couple of hours to bury their mother. Really, really hit home with people. And after Gail, there was Jair and Jill and many others who got in touch and told me their stories here on Lunchtime Life over the past number of days. So we said we'd we'd keep with the story. We'd keep on it. We'd try and find out is there anything else can be done. The minister with responsibility for disabilities, Anne Rabbit, is with me here in studio today. Minister, how did you feel when you heard Gail's story?
2: I felt very saddened for Gail. I felt that there was, I, can, I can understand how isolated she must have felt. Um, I have lost my mum. I know how important it is to be at my mum's funeral Um, and to feel out that it wasn't like her son wasn't known within the services. Her son was known within the services. It wasn't like people didn't understand. Gail was at a crisis. It was very clear Gail was at a crisis. She had lost her mum and um, Gail should have been supported. There's no denying that whatsoever um, the lack of empathy, the lack of um, the lack of heart in the whole situation saddens me a lot, Andrea, to be quite honest with you, and um, that doesn't change the situation for no. what Gail has experienced, but it's wrong not to acknowledge uh, the the lack. The lack of care.
1: The the statement I got from the disability service who who deal um with Gail they got back to me it's a long email essentially sympathise with Gail when emergency situations arise disability services will work with carers to provide respite during the emergency but unfortunately there are times when it's not possible because of staff shortages and they have to carry out prior assessments if the carer isn't known to them. In this case, they were. Is that satisfactory, Minister, to essentially say, look, we're sorry you missed your mum's funeral, but basically we, no appropriate staff No, it's not notice. at
2: all uh, acceptable at all, Andrea. Let's make me very clear about that. No, it isn't. I, I think in all cases, we know that in disabilities, everything's an emergency and everything's a crisis. But like we're dealing with that, that's part of our day's work. OK, but then there is actual emergencies on top of an emergencies, or uh, somebody gets sick or somebody passes away, as was the case here. There has to be also that agile,
1: pragmatic approach that the team can take. So how do we make sure that Gail's situation is never repeated by any other family carer in this country? I think one of the
2: things, and, and, I, and I have been talking to the department about this on the back of listening to Gail,
1: but, and I'd like to think Gail is unique. She's not. She's not. That's I spoke the, to Jill and Cliff and Jair got in touch with us. As many others, ministers, shared yes. their stories. I, I
2: spoke to the department about this um, um, because uh, I had an incident myself last Christmas down in my own constituency uh, and like that, what is the plan? What's the standard approach across the HRC? What's the standard approach across all care providers because we have HSC, we have voluntary providers, we have 38s, we have 39s and we have lots of issues.
1: Let's go- be honest, it's the complete run around. I mean, I found oh, yes. this out myself last week, it's go to the HSC Department of Health, your own department, Minister for Older People, uh, the the actual services that are, you know, tasked with providing this. Sure, it's no wonder the carers feel like they're alone. There's no one looking out.
2: Absolutely, and that's why there needs to be a standardised framework approach. Okay? So when will we get that? Uh, oh no, th- th- I've started it we started it. We have it started. Uh, And, all right, so that'll take time for it to go down through the various layers before it will be totally understood and totally operational across all of the gamuts that you had to engage with last week. But at least it has started because what we need is that standardised approach and what we need is that um, that a respite piece or that emergency respite form piece that's standardised that if a family picks up the phone and rings and says actually I'm not getting my I'm scheduled my respite but an emergency has cropped up how can you fit me in or how can you accommodate me I think we need that standardised approach Do we we have that
1: at the moment? Do do we have an emergency panel of um, respite providers carers people who can come in because and others can't foresee that their mother is going to pass away in a certain date in six months.
2: Um, we've started in Cork. We have a respite form, started in Cork. It's And we have some good practices in CHO too, but it's not standard across the country. Um, it isn't standard because there is an awful lot of silos. We need to break down the silos. And exactly to the point you have said, Andrea, is there that telephone where other... Um, Voluntary organisations can ring in and say to the HSE, actually, this crisis has an emergency, it's out of the norm. Can you find me ex people from a panel but that can support me? Isn't it sort of bizarre, Minister?
1: Though, you know, and I appreciate this is something that, that you're, you know, inherited and, and, and dealing with to a certain extent now at the moment. But like, we have an emergency panel of freelancers here in News Talk. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do the HSE for carers not have an emergency panel of people who can provide respite care? Oh, come here. I completely agree, Andrea.
2: And to me, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. And that's why I have to start at the very basics and put in a framework. Like, I, I'm not the operational manager of the HSE. Some days I feel like I am the operational manager of the HSE because I'm trying to put in place systems our suggestion systems that I shouldn't have to suggest. Now, to be very, very fair, I'm um, working with Bernard Luster. He has been a breath of fresh air for me as a minister, a breath of fresh air in the sense that I'm going, Bernard, we need to have alternative respite. I totally agree with you, Minister. He has, in his experience, having worked in disabilities, understands what I'm saying. And what I'm saying to you there in relation to alternative, what I'm saying is if we have a building... Any of our care providers, if they're working for providing respite four out of seven nights, why aren't they providing it seven out of seven? Let us sweat our assets. Is there any of our services standing idle on a Saturday? We should be providing respite to add capacity. I've put in 30,000 bed nights in the last three years, but nobody wants to hear about no, that. No, because,
1: and I still have people telling me this week in emails, Minister, yeah. that they don't even get respite care. Yeah. like we still have carers that get nothing. Yeah, so this is the point, Andrea. So, Let's just go
2: back to very, very basics. We have carers getting nothing. We have family members whose young people need or they need a break. Their young people possibly need a break from their environment. Okay. so this week at our thinking, I raised the issue with Minister Foley is you have 133 um, special schools can I actually use them in the evening for tea time respite? Can I use those schools on a Saturday um, to provide respite, to add capacity to families who don't get that piece in the evening after four o'clock when the child arrives home or never gets the opportunity to go out for that meal in the evening or do something different with their kids? That was one of the suggestions. The other piece is we do have houses um, that we provide respite in, but they're not going full tilt. They need to go full tilt. I need to ensure that they can go and work from 4 over 7 to 7 over 7. When will Swe- this happen though? Sweat, that's a priority in this year's budget. The
1: alternative respite, So it's Andrea, dependent on getting funding in the budget next month?
2: No, no, I've started it, Andrea. We've started it here with Olive Hanley and CH09. In the last two years, Olive has put in after-school respite for me. We're supporting 150 young people and their families. I would like to prioritise in the coming budget that we also adopt the same piece for, for carers we, for carers aged over 65 that we would actually ensure that we can support their loved one in accessing respite that they never get in giving them that opportunity to have that tea time respite that I talk about as opposed to getting on the bus and going home at half three. Maybe they mightn't have to go home till seven or eight and give them the opportunity to go into the community the same as everybody else because what I'm hearing from the person with the disability is they're sent home. Their parents are too old to bring them to that match or bring them to the cinema. Um, so there's a lot of gaps here, Andrea, and I'm totally acknowledging it. There's a lot of gaps. But when it comes to the critical piece of where somebody's mum or partner or loved one passes away and they want to attend the funeral and they can't, we need to have a proper plan of, I'll call it, no different to news talk, the panel of support.
1: I want people listening to this today, Minister, to come away from, you know, hearing you chat to us. And I do appreciate you, you, you know, you 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 heard Gail's story and others this week and I do appreciate you coming in, you know. So I I want people listening to this today to come away from the interview with, right, this is going to change. I've heard the Minister, she's promised this now in Lunchtime Live. What's going to change for the carers of this country from the next budget? Like, what'll change for them?
2: Um, the first thing that'll change is that alternative respite piece and committing to that. Some time ago, Andrea, you had me on a show similarly, and you talked to me about PARs, and I said, you, I'm going to double it in the mm. next budget," and I did. This is a priority, Andrea. Sweat the assets, use what we have, and bring relief immediately.
1: And this enhanced panel of people that's going to be there, you know, and stand by. Oh uh, uh, yeah, but we that that's all. Oh, that that's the work. That's the sweat
2: and tears. That's me bringing everybody around the table and everybody agreeing that we can do that, and that's standardisation. But actually by me adding capacity by sweating the current assets to me will be a, a valve release so that we actually have capacity to support Gale or any Gail while the framework has been set up. It doesn't all happen overnight, but where I have the assets, it
1: can happen overnight. What about the payment and, and family supports to carers? Because that's a big issue, Minister.
2: It's a huge issue, to be quite honest with you. Um, the means testing is another big issue to families. Um, the incapacitated um, tax credit that's there. The word incapacitated to me, sometimes um, you, you, it's always like you have to tell the story. You have to be the worst that your your child is the worst that it can be yeah, or,
1: yeah. or your loved one has to be the worst. You have to contact shows like, like ours. Yeah. You have to contact, you have to bear your soul to the nation. Yeah. And oh, I, don't, I,
2: I don't like that. And I, I'm very open in saying this that, uh, and I say it in the department, <laughs> I'm delighted Andrea Gilligan has sorted this problem out or I'm delighted X has sorted the other problem out. It shouldn't have to be that way. The system should function. The system should function for carers and most importantly, the system should function for the individuals that have the disability. They have equitable access to live a life of their choice as best that they can within their communities. That's all that their carer wants. And that's what we as a state should provide. So we should not have assets that are standing, not providing access to when we know that we have carers that need support.
1: When you say you want to sweat the assets, does it just mean that what's there isn't working to its full capacity? Yeah, full tilt. That's a word I
2: use myself all the time in the department. I don't believe certain parts of our assets are going full tilt
1: that idea of the respite house But but those services will tell you that's down to staff and and, and they can't get recruitment and it's pay and it's all these issues. Well, I'll give you an example, Andrea.
2: My daughter applied... She's an OT. She's in second year of college. She applied to be a care assistant. She has her manual handling done. She's worked for two years in a nursing home. She's second year OT and she applied to be a care assistant within a disability organisation. She got the response back she wasn't qualified enough. I'll be honest with you, I think we've really good people out there who can support us in the delivery of that care assistant piece. I I think, to be quite honest with you, the HR departments in all of our, and I include the HSE and right across it, um, we need to be working with people in colleges that actually want to be part of change, that want to come in our front doors. They mightn't be able to do a 40 hour a week, but you know what? Every hour would count, every every, eight sh- every shift counts
1: to ensure that services can be delivered. Um, I would Mary Siri Carney in the show with me as well about this last week. She's suggesting, should the treatment purchase fund be used? Do we need it? To try yeah, and it does. oh, we need we certainly need a parallel process because the system that we have currently at the moment is not working.
2: Will that happen? Um, um, I would be kite flying if I said it would. Um, so let's say I'm still in negotiations.
1: Okay. All right. Look, we'll leave it there for, for the moment. And um, that's Minister with Responsibility for Disabilities, Anne Rabbit. And thank you for, for joining us here on Lunchtime Live. There's still more people getting in touch about this. The email is Live at newstalk.com. This listener sent me in one there. I've three kids with autism. One is profound and has many behavioural problems. The summer months are a nightmare as we've literally no respite. We've no school. We've nothing. It's all acknowledged that our family requires respite, but there's just no availability in Galway. Furthermore, a social worker told me that there's literally no residential care on offer. They did away with the old school system, which I fully support, but no assisted living alternatives are available. I'm really worried about the future when the time comes that we are simply not able to look after our son ourselves. These people cannot advocate for themselves. Their families are too heavily burdened to do it for them. The state is really letting these people down. Their lives and their lives of their families need to be valued and supported and it's just not happening at all. It's honestly a disgrace, says this listener. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. we were talking to the Minister for Disabilities, Anna Rabbit there, about um, how we can try and improve the situation for the country's family carers and Gail is with us on the line because Gail, you kicked off this whole conversation last week when you Got in touch to share your your story. Um, do you take some comfort now? You know that things will improve when you you hear the minister there today.
3: Hi, Andrea. No, I'm sorry. I take no comfort because I've heard it all before. And while the baby spoke so eloquently, um, that doesn't give. There's nothing I could take away from that. Apologies. That's my son in the background, um, which oh, always non okay. nonstop. Um, but I take, there's nothing from that I could take and say that, um, oh, God, good, I know this is going to happen now. It didn't, no, it's not going to happen. There's nothing there that I could take away from that today that's positive, except, I mean, I'm, I'm totally delighted that she came in to speak to you and I, we could get some questions across. But there is nothing there. I mean, there was a couple of points and diversions around um, inclusion. Like, I, I just highlight my life, as you can hear my son in the background, my life consists of even when my son was in a school and God help the people whose kids are going to finish school one day, because there's very little, he was home at three in the day and I could be locked in 18 hours a day. That was when he was still in school, which was pre-COVID. So that's what you have to look forward to. Mm. You know, there, she mentioned CH09. Well, I was living in CH09 up to a year and a half ago and rents were so high I had to move to Lucan. Um, you know, for, for a place to live. And the reality of it was that I was told in CH07 that it doesn't operate... These the are different areas, like Gail,
1: aren't they? Just uh, yeah, it's, it's, CH, That's how they're referred to...
3: Them so she made relevance today to CH09. And I will say to you, CH09 operates very, very well. That's the reality of it, as I've come to find out now. Operates very well. So that's, she's taken the best one I know that operates like that. But the rest of the country... And Kildare people have told me because we're under a Kildare group now, despite living in Dublin, um, will say there's very little and there's nothing. And I was told by the HSC, I, I'm not even given a disability manager to speak to, I was told by CH07 that they don't operate like the rest of the country in that part when of the it does the seem HSC. to be
1: a postcode lottery. <laughs> she, she acknowledged that, and it's not, it's not yeah, it doesn't make it right. absolutely disgrace. The panel. Sorry, again, yeah, no, I was just going to ask you about the the panel of support that the minister has has committed to. Like she said, talked about this mm. respite forum, um, yeah. already been up and and running in Cork, and and they're yeah. you know planning or they're a currently trying thing, to get yeah. that yeah rolled out underway because th- that's what would have helped you in your situation yeah. two two weeks but ago. That, I mean, is that Andrea,
3: that should have been? You know, that's a pilot scheme. That's all talk down the line. Like, do you know what I mean? We're all existing now, us carers. Like the ones who are on their own entirely, maybe don't have a husband or, you know, they're, they're parenting alone or for whatever reason, you know, they could be widowed, anything. Um, what about those individuals like myself who are on their own getting nothing and any funding that's given, and I'm sure it's generous by the HSE, is not being monitored or made sure that it's in consultation with the family that actually supports them and works for the family. It should be help, not a deterrent. Um, I mean, it's no good to my son to say that this pilot scheme might be rolled out. You can hear him there in the background. I just come out of a car with him this morning where I've struggled for the last year and a half to be able to drive to a post office to get his disability allowance. I've left it every two weeks, you know, but by then, he might need it, you know what I mean, for food or whatever. Um, And you can hear him, he's very vocal. And he was highly distressed in that car today. And as I say, I get out, I run in, it's a five-minute thing, and my heart's in my mouth. Now, when I got back into that car today, he was like this now, roaring at me at the wheel. I thought I was going to take a stroke. Like, that's the reality of how they've left us. I was on your radio station a week ago. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Nobody came to me and offered me some help and gave me something. Nobody said, okay, we'll take Luca out for the day. Do you need to go and do something? I might have wanted to go to my mom's grave. I might have wanted to go and see my dad. Nobody has done the thing. And nothing will change. That's how it's going to be. I don't take any solace out of what she said today. No, I really don't, Andrea. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. No. Look, I believe
3: I, it when I believe it when I see
1: it. I know. And look, you've you've you you, you are the lived experience, the Gail, lived experience of this, and, and that's who
3: you need to speak to. The people who are yeah. like me, who are the living. Like, go walk a day in their life. Go put a camera on them in their house for a week. See what they're living with. You know, the people with children in school, they're fearing. They're talking about the summers. I remember it well. What it's like. Wait till that's gone. And they've nothing and they've no school. By God, then you will see what it, the despair is like. They talked about social inclusion for the evening. tour. The lady spoke very well, Minister Rabit, and she spoke about inclusion in the afternoon. This was my whole problem at the HSE, even at CH09. I said, I need to go out in an evening. What about my own personal life? What about social inclusion for me? What about me being able to follow through on a course or meet people and have a chat? I'm completely socially isolated. You know, I can't have anybody in the house with them, and I can't go out, save every 14 days. And i would that much to do, as it was pointed out to me, because 3 o'clock on Friday evening, it's like catch-up. You mightn't even make a bank. And there's, you know, there's just no, there's no, um it's not, they're burning us out. And I think it's going to cost the state a hell of a lot more, because what you're going to yeah. have is, they've set themselves, the lady said there, one of the carers, there's no residential placement. I don't want that for my son. I want to care for him for as long as I can in his home. Why wouldn't I? He's my son. But I need support. And he has an entitlement to social inclusion. Yeah, he has yeah. no PA worker. I've fought for a PA worker for him since he left in COVID. They refuse as a PA worker. He can't cross the door on his own. He couldn't manage but, money, anything. He needs someone with him all the time to go out in the community. I know. And I know they've been locked in here. He's been locked in here um, for the last since last February before that E3 morning.
1: There'll be a huge focus around this. I've, I've no doubt now, of course, when we get the, uh, the budget in the next, what, two or, or three weeks as well. Listen, Gail, I, I do just want to um, thank you though for, you know, for getting in touch with us last week and sharing your story because I know it wasn't an easy thing for you to do, but... I mean, not that there's any comfort in knowing and you already know that you're, you're, not, you're not alone. I mean, there were many, many others listened to you and heard you speak on the show and, and got in touch. And look, if, if there, there is any change or anything does change, we'll certainly keep on it here on Lunchtime Live. Can I just ask you how you're, you're doing, Gail, yourself though, aside from all of that? and
3: not, not so good. I will tell you, you meet the kindness of strangers. I had one dilemma I'll give you. I would no way to NCT my car And the wonderful people in Bill in Cloney Motors volunteered his lunchtime yesterday and took my car for an NCT and I just hat off that's the kindness of strangers yeah. would you believe well it's that's good to li- hear the little things yeah the, the heartwarming things. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you know, to that, hear that. To him, that
1: that means um, that means a huge so amount much. Yeah. priceless to me well fair priceless play to them to yeah me. and you're, you're dead right yeah. to, to give them a mention yeah. today listen I <laughs> know they're so good mind yourself Gail and, and take care of yourself and, and Luca as well and thanks you know, again for, for getting in touch it's lunchtime live at newstalk.com as always that's the email address if you want to get in touch with us about anything you want to raise on the show